Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Damaris Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You have great personality. You can hear it in your voice. Would you date an NBA player? I'm open to anything, but it's... respect. Old school. February. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you're single, then. <laughs> With your host. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, average. <laughs> we will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off. And the Miami Heat's winning streak continues. The race to history is now at 27. Six shy of tying the Lakers. Final score here in Orlando, 108 to 94. So, once again, we open the Hangtime Podcast talking about the Miami Heat rolling. What's up, everybody? Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog and NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, New York. Yo. Full Rick Fox on the West Coast. Rick, what's up? I am a god <laughs> get like your, Kanye West. Get your Kanye <laughs> on. Uh, the heat streak, they, these jokers literally refuse to lose. Um, the, the nugget streak ended in New Orleans the other night at 15, but the heat ain't no stopping them now. Still winning 27 in a row and counting 28 on tap tonight in Chicago. Real quick, and we'll get back to this a million times, obviously, throughout the show today, but uh, – what do you, what do you guys just what are your general thoughts about twenty eight and and will it happen in Chicago tonight? It's gonna happen. Look look at this guy. It's gonna happen. Well, uh, I will go counter to it will happen and well, say that I think it does not happen tonight. Well. So, is the game gonna get is the game gonna get canceled or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, good snowstorm in Chicago. No, I think the game is gonna get a little chippy, yeah. a little physical, and I think. For 48 minutes, this team, even without Noah, is capable of of uh, bringing a type of defensive pressure that, you know, quite honestly, I don't know if the Heat have seen in a few few games. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've already seen one streak come to an end. Like I said, the Nuggets streak came to an end in uh, New Orleans, and and uh, New Orleans has a chance. They're sitting there kind of in the trap game, you know, between tonight's game against Chicago and Sunday's game against San Antonio. Friday night, you get to the Big Easy. And, yeah. and Rick, as you like to say, with that voodoo, pull that voodoo that, doll that, out. Yeah, boy. Be all she wrote. She had better stay away from Bourbon Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they better stay in, in Mississippi somewhere. <laughs> Helicopter in. Um, there are some other headlines floating around the league, of course, in addition to those. The injury uh, watch is out now. Kevin Garnett out a couple weeks. Um, Mark Gasol with, a, with an ab injury. You know, I've I don't have I haven't had to worry about ab injuries for quite some time. By the way, in about That's twenty the years, worst. I have, I'm a living ab injury right now. <laughs> um, D Wade missed two games. Obviously, uh, the last two games of the streak for the Heat. It, every season is about injuries, though, right? I mean, every season injuries take a toll on somebody. Obviously, Derek I Rose mean, out. Denver without Ty Lawson. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can say that caused their streak. Meta right. World Peace. Meta World Peace. With an injury, I mean, this, but this is a this is an every year occurrence, is it not? Where you know some team is going to be impacted by whatever injury 
is uh, is plaguing them, right? Yeah, and it's usually right about you know this time of year because look, man, eighty two games of an NBA season is not is no. I used to say that's no. Can I say punk? I don't know. We we ain't no chump. I think you just it's too late that's, now. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> it's not easy, man. Yeah, it's not easy. And then when you talk about guys having you know five six years in the league, getting through an eighty two game season, man, you don't get through one hundred percent. So. Right. Some, you're really hoping to avoid any injury that's a serious injury that puts you on the shelf. Yeah. Uh, the ones you're listing now, abs, Shaq, Shaq dealt with an abdominal stuff that, mm-hmm. that shelved him. We played. Uh, you know, Meta's injury is, is similar to the one that has put a number of guys out for 10 to 12 weeks. Right. So he may be done for the year. Uh, you know, the, and these are these aren't these aren't these are key players. These aren't guys that are you know that won't affect the outcome of the, re- the remaining you know season for these teams. These guys, th- these teams need these guys. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that what Bosch had in the playoffs last year? An abdominal mm-hmm. strain yeah. Yeah. kept him out. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's um, it's uh, it's serious. You know, you but gotta, there's nothing you, you can do careful. about nothing it. You can do. No, yeah. You can't be careful. I mean, look at Pop's been careful all year, and then Tony Parker still sprains his ankle That's and gets out. You That's know, good like point. And Chewy on, Chewy on Splash did too. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> He sprained his ankle diving. Who did? He, he didn't even get to dive. I, I wish. I wish so, so much. Rick, I wish so much. Rick was on that show. Uh, they asked me. Oh, oh come my on. God. how did you say uh, no? I I I said no easily. <laughs> so, uh, no. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> no thank you. I, I haven't watched it, of course, but I was, I've been seeing the previews, and I saw my girl Rudy Huxtable. I mean, uh, Keisha Knight Pulliam, aka Rudy Huxtable. She got uh, voted off, I think. Already. Yeah, yeah she, first one to first go. One. There goes that show for me. I won't be watching. That. I saw some of the video clips of, of uh, Louis Anderson. No, Louis Anderson diving, and it was uh, uh. it was pretty amazing to watch. <laughs> well, I tell you, if, if if the Lakers don't watch it with <laughs> their little slide here, they're gonna do a belly flop and it, it right out of the right out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Manless. Like, like how I tried to bring it back to, to no basketball talk. No way, and that's good because the Lakers. I mean, I, I know you guys saw the other night where uh, David Lee kind of two piece Dwight. Um, yeah, gave him some stitchers, and now Dwight is talking about you know getting a little revenge at some point here. But the Lakers got to be careful. I mean, that A seed is not guaranteed uh, with Dallas <laughs> and Utah hanging around trying to get a, you know piece of that action. They've got to be careful, doesn't it? Well, uh, the beauty, the only positive that came out of. Uh, Dwight needing stitches or getting popped in the, in the mouth is if he's looking for revenge and he's talking about he's going to get paid back, at least he's not smiling right now. He's seeing, he's serious <laughs> about some stuff. You know, he's like serious about some stuff. He's like, this game, you know, this game is, is, is a rough game and, and we need him a little testy yeah. about things. I don't know. It's, do you feel any different laying right now about the Lakers' chances of making it? I was uh, you looking at hold yes. on or? I was looking yesterday. I'd be if I was the Lakers, I'd be more worried about Dallas right now than Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was looking yesterday at some of like say the playoffs started today. Some of the matchups, um, you get Oklahoma City, Houston in the first round, um, Denver, Golden State, <laughs> pretty remarkable. Yeah, and then some good stuff. Clippers, Memphis. Remember what a good series that was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's setting up right now, and you'd have Spurs, Lakers in the first round too. So it's Ooh. setting up right now in the West to be an unbelievable playoffs if it keeps up the way it's going i i i I mean dallas i don't think you can overlook them right now they're only a game behind the lakers 
Not um, but you 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 talked about injuries, right? And you said meta. Do you think the meta world piece injury is a is a negative for the Lakers in terms of? I was thinking about that last night. Like maybe it's a blessing in disguise in a way. I don't yeah. know, man. He's been solid for him though. He's been one of the. Yeah, but he's also a wild card sometimes. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. You know, and he, he takes a lot of shots. Like you know, with 18 seconds left on the shot clock, jacking up a three. See, but I would say I would. This is the same argument I make about other players like that. A lot of times, I don't blame you for doing something crazy. I blame the dude for giving you the ball to do something crazy like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> You know, you can't. I, I can't be mad at you for throwing the ball off the side of the backboard if I pass it to you, right? That's a, that's a terrible argument. That you can't say that. <laughs> it, like it wasn't a terrible argument when you used to do it as a as a group back in two thousand. Here, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and four of us on the court would look to young Kobe and be like, "Oh no, nah, man, you about to do something crazy." <laughs> so did you did you blame yourself or did you blame Kobe for taking a bad shot? No, we would we would eject. We just wouldn't throw it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Swinging the ball around the corner. Look, they swing it all the way around and look over there. She called me. Oh, hell no. Turn it. Throw it back the other way. <laughs> Not right now, young fella. <laughs> Skip pass. <laughs> we know you're going to go one on five. That's cold. Lang, you, seriously, you should have never sent me this thing of Louis Anderson diving because now I can't stop watching this. <laughs> I just said, say, hey, This is a disaster. Like, you got to tune in, dude. I said it's awesome. video of it. Rick, this is a disaster. Like, hey, what is my man wearing? They have to wear these outfits on the show? Kareem is on it. Kareem's on oh it. Oh, my God. Kareem Abdul-Legend is a This is why I don't watch these TV shows because it's just we, get, we we keep going overboard until we – I don't know what they could do to cross the line completely, but <laughs> this is pretty close. This, hey, this dude well, is wearing this. like a – I'll give him this. I'm telling you, Seiku, watch the opening of the show. It's like a Cirque du Soleil <laughs> exhibition. Like it's a, it's, they do a brilliant job introing the show with the divers. Like the professional divers. Oh it's amazing. Well, let's watch them dive because my man looks like something. Maybe you ever see that movie, The Fifth Element? <laughs> yeah. He looks like he got some outfit from The Fifth Element on I diving just, well, into I just, a swimming I just, pool. I just, I just sent you, this, 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 I just this, you uh, Kareem, <laughs> Kareem's backflip. Uh, <laughs> these things are horrible. Kareem tried to do a full backflip, and he did about half of a backflip. <laughs> oh, belly they flop, his, big fella. They sent me the email, sent oh. me the email with the offer. And I got to the second sentence where they were like, and you will dive. And I was like, what? Spam. You should have just spammed that thing immediately. Like, nah, I'm good on this. Listen, if Kareem's going to dive off a diving board, it needs to be more than five feet above the water. I mean, my man, somebody, somebody got the specs wrong on this. This is classic. I got I to gotta expand my horizon and start watching you know, whenever, TV. Whenever, you know that show Wipeout on TV? Yeah. Whenever that comes on, I always tell my wife, like, I was like, you, you watch the people on there and they, they can't hardly do anything. And I was like, you know, I think I could probably get through one of these things. <laughs> and she's like, you are crazy. You could never, you could not do anything. And I was like, I'd like to try it. Like, just once. I think no, that would be fun to do it. I'm good on, I'm good on Wipeout and whatever this. I'd like to see to. Rick on Celebrity Wipeout. Yeah. Good luck with that one. <laughs> I'm good on this. It'll be right after the next time you see a snow-filled Denver World Cup game. (laughs) I watched that last week. (laughs) I'm serious. This is just – Kareem, this is – come on, man. Come on, Cap. This is is, uh, 
But, you know, look, he's capped, though. I man. know he's having fun probably and all he that, but. Do anything, man. He, he, look, man, what's, he got, what's left for him to do after he scored 38 950,000 yeah. points on the league. I'm like going to tell you what's pretty impressive, though, Rick. Cap's in some top, top shape now. Louis Anderson, <laughs> he needs to come work out with me every day. He needs to get on this little diet I'm on again. He's but, yogied out, man. Cap is yogied out. Yeah, he's he's like, he looked like he could still do some of the moves he did in that Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. This cat is in some tip-top shape. You're thinking Louis Anderson would specialize in the cannonball on that diving show, right? <laughs> Listen, his his outfit alone gets him on on my list like i i cannot believe it. i'm gonna be watching this thing all day until the all right so my favorite, Bulls come my, favorite, my favorite to win is uh the, the former baywatch girl i don't even know who that is i gotta i gotta look the show up and see what see what yeah the, anyway <laughs> anyway this podcast already is taking rudy a, off you know this I'm podcast hot. is taking a terrible turn yeah i'm sorry i introduced smashed how do we segue it's to not, that? It's not even called that. It's called Splash. What is no, it called? It's, it's splash. At. I'm telling you. S- splash. But Rick called it Smashed. Yeah, because <laughs> more, more times than not, they smashed that's what the water. Time. That's what happened to the water when Louis Anderson gave it a little bit of that chest chest and belly love. Woo! <laughs> Ziggy Bongwa, baby. Tidal wave. All right. Where we at here? Y'all, y'all throw me all off. I'm not even getting into Royce White this week, Greg. We were I'm, talking injuries. We, you know, it, well, there's going to be some on Splash, trust me. Yeah. Um, Lang, you, you tried to get cute the other day tweeting about the uh, the NCAA tournament. I'm going to ignore that. You Why? Know, since, you, well, you know, you only tweet about the stuff you write about. You never you never fess up when you blow something. It's always when you, uh, you yeah, remember what I told you? I believe that when we uh, a week ago on this show when we talked about the NCAA tournament, I said I don't watch college basketball. I don't know anything about college basketball. All I know is that Gonzaga is not going to win, <laughs> and I've been proven correct in that. Yeah, well, <laughs> there were a lot of people's brackets went up in smoke over that first weekend, but uh, mine was not one of them. I didn't even fill out a bracket. I I, I did enjoy watching though um, those games because even I don't really follow the the games during the season but i just kind of cheer for the underdog no matter who's playing in those games so it was fun seeing a team like florida gulf coast or whatever that school is and uh and some of those other schools come alive uh during the tournament to me yeah that's the 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 first weekend of tournament is always good for that because if you don't watch college hoops you know ridiculously like throughout the course of the regular season the tournament might be the first time you get some eyeballs on some of these teams um, but to, you know also to me it's interesting because uh, you guys watch more college than i do you see it you know a, a number one team like a michigan or one of these big teams indiana these one seed teams it doesn't seem like there's that much talent separation between a number one and a number 10 or a number 12 seed there isn't but it's because the the big time schools are keeping guys for a year, and everybody else is keeping guys for three and four, you know. So there's is this disparity. It's like grown men playing against McDonald all, McDonald's All Americans all the time, yeah. From tournament time, and I think that helps the the mid majors and in the schools who aren't raking in these top ten recruiting classes all the time. You guys, let me know when you guys are done talking about this because I can't. I I stopped watching NCAA <laughs> basketball after my tar is lost. Watching, oh, poor Ricky. <laughs> Before the Gulf Coast, man. Oh man. Yeah, I love the way they play now. I look love. Out, look I love out that. below. You might get dunked on. Yes, yes. I love it. I I love any team that plays that that style because I'm so tired of watching all these college teams that run the exact same offense and it, yeah. it gets kind of you know blah, blah. I just think they need more timeouts in college basketball. 
<laughs> Man, every one of those games, there's every you know they run one play, timeout. <laughs> yeah, but that's also, the beauty of March Madness, baby. On, it's on every channel. You never see this in the NBA, really, where they they bring the ball down, they'll dribble it for like twenty seconds of the shot clock, then call then a timeout. Call a timeout, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, what? Well, what did you just waste all that time for? <laughs> yeah, they because we can't advance it. Yeah, but I, I don't care what y'all say. Anytime I get the chance to to flick it to True TV and see basketball on, because True TV is my favorite channel when there's no basketball on it. So to get to, to get to watch it and like watch hardcore, hoops makes it even better. Pawn. I love True TV, dude. Hardcore pawn, lizard lick, towing. Love True TV. It is safe. It is. I mean, it's safe to say right now that you will never see me covering NCAA basketball what? for TNT, True TV, TBS. Come on. What other turn? I'm telling you, man. I just you. I, I I come from the era where you got to know college players, and you got you got you start, you either loved them or you hated them. Right. I, mean, I don't even know who these kids are nowadays. Like they don't. No, none of them stick around long enough. So how, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard, man. It's really hard to really root for or root against yeah. these teams because they just don't build any kind of character around. Watching these kids grow up, you know, grow into being young men that have been with their teams for three, four years. But yeah. Yeah. I, just I, I, I lost interest. It man. is a different animal than what we were used to growing up. No I question. was thinking about that watching the games too. And in, in that, you know, people say if you're cheer, if you cheer for an NBA team, it's hard to cheer for a team with free agency and you know players come and go. Not like it used to be. But college is. I mean, you're really rooting it's, for the. You're just rooting for the laundry, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean. In yeah. college, more so than any other thing, maybe right now. Yeah, but but you but at the same you know at the same time, when a Harvard wins a a tournament game for the first time ever, or Florida Gulf Coast blows up, or LaSalle, that you is, know I mean those a, are the stories that it don't matter yeah. who's playing. It's just for yeah, you know right. like for forty eight hours, how Harvard grads had to be on cloud nine. Yeah, you know, and alums and fans because I know you know, and Florida Gulf Coast is still riding the wave. I mean they. They get they get not only that first weekend, but they get every day leading up to the Sweet Sixteen to be featured nationally or, you know, all over somebody's website or in somebody's newspaper yeah, or somebody's television outside, station. Outside of Butler is the most interesting story, man. Yeah, I mean this is and this has been coming since VCU, Butler, George Mason, since about two thousand and six when the mid majors started making these moves. Nobody cares about Butler. <laughs> no. I'm just, that, was, I'm just, that was a sarcastic comment. But I'm saying I'm trying, I'm trying to get Jarrell fired up in there. Yeah, if he hears anything to do with his city, you know, he starts <laughs> the buttons start going to ride back there, and you know, all of a sudden we got some technical difficulty. But, <laughs> but anyway, back to the NBA. Let's let's. Oh, thank God! Yeah, let's get on. Let's get on with the getting on. <laughs> big Wednesday, big Wednesday on tap uh, in the league, and the, the marquee game of the night obviously is in Chicago. Uh, where the Miami Heat are trying to extend their second-best win streak in the NBA. And in, if I'm not mistaken, and Greg could look this up, he'll know, second-best win streak in professional sports history, if I'm not mistaken now, since the there was a 1910, you know, New York Stripe Sox, you know, whatever. Um, they had the previous second-longest streak, and now – the Miami Heat, I believe, are in second place overall and behind the 71-72 Los Angeles Lakers. But before we get to our guests, let me ask you guys this. Do you think this streak, um, even if you're not a Heat fan, is this good in general for the NBA? I think it's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. great. I love it. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a Heat fan, but I'm a, I'm a fan of the Heat and the way they're playing basketball right now in this streak. 
Yeah. I'll tell you my I'll tell you what I think is going to happen later on tonight. Uh later on in the podcast, but Yeah. I, I love I, it. I found like I I found myself actively scheduling my <laughs> evenings around being able to watch the Heat game every night yes. now. You know, which I normally you kind of I'm sure you guys are the same way. You got stuff going on. You catch parts of games when you can. You know, splash, man. <laughs> My yeah. DVR splash. But <laughs> I know people but, uh, who are, I know people who don't. This is another one of those times when it goes above and beyond just basketball. Yeah. Like I know people yeah. who could care less about the NBA or the Heat, and they know all about the street. Yeah. So that's when it moves into that realm. You know, when wifey wants to sit down and scream at the TV. Wow. I, you know, that's yeah. always my test. Like, yeah, we, this is good. My test is my mom. When my mom asks me about something I know <laughs> in the sports world, then I know it's crossed over. Yes. That, you know, that it, it's made it on cheap because she probably saw it on Good Morning America or something. So, yeah, when when that's happened, that's how I know. Yeah. I know we are we are definitely in, in the right spot. And speaking of the right spot, we got the right guy coming on here talking with us about everything that's going on in Chicago tonight, including not just the streak, but that other story that's, that's hanging out there that everybody – What's to talk about? Derrick Rose beginning to heat up Rose. Derrick Rose has turned the key. The occasion is on. Oh, Rose came down with it on his left foot. Holding on to his knee. Holding on to his knee and down. Well, guys, there's no reason to uh, play around on a day like today. You know, just go straight to the source for the information, uh, you know, the the biggest game in the league We got Waka Flocka on? No, not Waka oh. Flocka. We got somebody even better. Uh, <laughs> Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune is joining us on the Hang Time Podcast once again. Case, what's up, sir? Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Well, at least you're here. Uh, Derek Rose, any, any idea when this man is going to suit up again for the Chicago Bulls? I know the streak's a big deal to people, but in my mind, the bigger story – you know, in terms of the broader, you know, scene is, is when is Rose going to come back and is he going to come back? Yeah, I've been saying for a while now I'd be surprised if he plays this season. The, the weird part about this story is obviously nobody's ever going to come out and definitively say that because he's already drawing quite a bit of criticism from frustrated fans who, you know, think that he hasn't come back quickly enough. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough injury. It's his career. It's his body. As a beat writer, I've tried to, you know, keep my opinion out of it. Um, but certainly it's been surprising for me, especially given, you know, this guy's success and hometown kid and all the goodwill he's built up, seeing fans turn on him. They're clearly frustrated. But Derek talked today after the shoot-around. Uh, hasn't talked much this season. Every time he talks, he just sounds like uh, someone who's very prepared mentally to sit out the entire season and come back next preseason. Wow. Casey, Casey, beyond surprised, what is your feelings? Um, well, as I said before, I mean, you know, you, you can look at it one of two ways. I mean, it's his career. He's 24 years old. It's his body. Only he knows how it feels. So it's obviously very hard to judge another person's decision when it comes to an injury. You can flip that and say it's been clearly stated in the one news conference that the surgeon, Bulls team physician Brian Cole, gave last May directly after the surgery as saying, you, in order to finish the rehab, you have to play in games. And as we've seen with Ricky Rubio, Iman Shumpert, pretty much anybody who comes back from this injury, when you make that next step, you do not feel 100%. So in order to finish the rehab, you have to go out in games and, and play at, on, on a limited basis. And Derek, to this point, has just decided he doesn't want to do that. 
I think Casey, the the other weird thing here is just, and you're in the middle of all this, is the there's sort of like this disconnect of of what is how is he healthy? Is he not healthy? What's the word? You know, <laughs> I think fans and 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 some of us in the media don't really. It's hard to get a straight answer of exactly when or how or what's going on there. I mean, that, I think last night everyone got excited because Waka Flock of Flame <laughs> tweeted about it. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's, it, it has been a weird story. Uh, what I will say, I mean, here's my take on it, is that this is – this is a, uh, I mean, now at this point it probably is a daily update type story, although to me it's not because I don't right. think he's playing, so I don't need to keep writing that day after day. But, but at least it's become a daily question story. And it, but before you know, a couple of weeks ago, it, it was a non-advanceable, non-daily story that lived in a twenty-four-seven social media frenzy world, and that's right. a bad combination. That's a really bad combination. So, uh, I, I mean, I'll say this: all along, the organization expected to come back at some point this season. Um, and Reggie Rose, his brother, who was critical of management at the trade deadline last summer, told my newspaper, the Chicago Tribune, quote, there is no way Derek will miss the entire season. So <laughs> it, it is a little weird that it's taken this turn, but it's clear to me that every time Derek talks, he, he doesn't sound like someone who's prepared to play this season. Case, do you – I think it's hard for people who who aren't familiar with the city of Chicago and the sports landscape there to get a – a good understanding of what Derrick Rose means to people who are who are diehard fans of the Bulls. It, could you just try and give us some context to, for the people, like I said, who are people from all around the world listening to this podcast, and you know they're passionate about their teams, and, and fans are always passionate about the players that play for their teams. But what does Rose's, you know, where where does he fit in the Chicago sports landscape in terms of how important he is to people? Well, he's huge, and that's why the the turn that I've seen from fans recently has been a little bit surprising. I mean, first of all, obviously, he's a homegrown kid, grew up mm-hmm. uh, in a very poor, crime-infested neighborhood called Inglewood, um, single mother, three strong older brothers, very, very secure, tight-knit family, um, went to Simeon High School, a nationally recognized powerhouse high school, won two state championships there. And then, obviously, when the Bulls lucked into winning the draft lottery and picked him with the number one overall pick, He's just someone that has seamlessly and effortlessly handled the the pressure of playing in his hometown, yeah. and has done so in in really well representative fashion. And to the point where he's he's very Chicago in in this. I mean, he's never asked for outside help. He's a pick yourself up by your by the bootstraps kind of player. He's hard nosed. He's tough. He's no nonsense. He's humble. I mean, I, one of my favorite quotes from covering Derek since his rookie year is when we were talking to him during right after the lockout ended. Keith Bogans had a team option uh, that we had not been decided whether or not it was going to be picked up. And Keith Bogans had become a, kind of a lightning rod, you know, with fans because they wanted an upgraded shooting guard. And we asked Derek about that right when the lockout ended. And he goes, Keith's my guy. I'm rolling with Keith. I mean, that's just who Derek is. He'll never throw a team under a bus. He, he's, he's, uh, he's stoic. He's quiet. He's humble. His teammates love him. So he, he means a lot to Chicago, not only because of his otherworldly talent, but also his workmanlike demeanor. And that's why it's been a little bit surprising for me to see that goodwill get burned up so quickly with the saga of this knee surgery. Yeah. And Casey, knowing him like you do and having watched him go through this, how is it? how do you think it's been for him to go through this and, and to see the city sort of not turn on him, but sort of question him now? 
Well, quite frankly, I think that's, I mean, you know, our job as beat writers is to remain objective, but I right. mean, I will say being around Derek as much as I am and as much as I have been, that to me has been one of the most impressive things about it because every time he speaks, he seems like like the most uh, unfazed <laughs> one of all. I mean, he, he's like the calm one through all this frenzy and storm and he, it, whether it's him or his brother or his camp or, or what have you, I, I think it's pretty clear they've come to a decision that it's going to be best for him to sit out an entire season, have a whole other uh, summer of rehab, and come back, you know, in a more regular, quote unquote, dominant fashion next training camp. And whether that decision's right or wrong, Derek seems very at peace with that decision. And again, I don't want to make it seem like that's been a thousand percent decided because it is a fluid story. But right. every indication I've gotten, it looks like he's going to be sitting out the season. But he's like the uh, he's like the calm one. I mean, he, he like even jokes about everybody, like all the stir he's created and stuff. So, um, you know, it's it's just kind of consistent with his demeanor. How's Coach Thibodeau uh, dealing with the uncertainty still? Is he, has, you know, at what point do you feel he moves on and even the return of uh, Derrick Rose becomes disruptive to the playoff uh, focus and direction of this team? Right. I mean, well, I, I, my guess is, and this is just totally a guess, is my guess is that Tom is pretty pretty aware that it's unlikely he'll play this season. I, I think what Tom has done a very good job of, and this is obviously not going to be a surprise to anybody who's watched him operate, he, from day one of training camp, he's made it very, very clear that, that Derek is, is needs to be separated from the rest of the team in terms of, you know, he doesn't want Derek to be a distraction. And you know, for the first few months of the season, Derek was completely off limits to, to everybody. You know, we never even saw him. Um, and it's because Derek wanted the focus to be on, his, on the people who were playing in games, and, and Tom wanted, obviously, the focus to, to be on the players playing in the games, and he, and he wanted Derek to be focusing on his rehab. So the organization did a good job of, you know, keeping those stories separate. You know, Tom's a no-excuses type coach. He's made it, you know, one of his favorite sayings is we have more than enough to win with. So, you know, he, he's handled it fine. Um, you know, he's been asked about it now on a daily basis for about a month. And he's been very, very patient throughout the process. He understands how big of a story it is. Um, but he's never once let it creep into, you know, game preparation or become a distraction in terms of that. And, and I, I want to stress one thing I said earlier that's very important. Derek is incredibly, incredibly well-liked by his teammates. So even though there might be this perception on the outside that, there's this frustration he has not returned. You, you you don't get that sense from teammates because he is as humble and as team first of a star as you will find in this league. And, and his, all of his teammates support whatever decision he's making throughout this process. Mm-hmm. Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. There's a huge game tonight, by the way. I, I know we, talk, <laughs> we talked a ton <laughs> about Rose, but the Bulls actually have a chance, sans Derrick Rose, to – Put an end to the to Miami Heat's uh, crazy win streak. In case I know you've been a beat writer for a long time, Lang, Rick, you know you guys obviously been around the league for a long time. I was in the hallway today asking somebody. They're like, "Have you ever seen anything like this in your lifetime? You know, a team winning this much?" And I'm like, uh, "Obviously not. It's the second longest streak in the history of the league." Could you imagine having to come up with angles on a on a team that's won 27 straight times Casey and just just in terms of how do you make this a fresh story every day for readers and people that are looking at it from the outside in right now that's that's tough I actually was a sidebar guy for the 95 96 Bulls when they went 72 and 10 and they had 12 and uh, 18 game win streaks in that series so um 
you know, it, it is, I mean, we used to joke that, you know, you'd be writing about like Ron Harper's first half and then somebody else would be writing about Ron Harper's second half. You know, it's like, I mean, there was so much dominance and so many writers focused on, you know, this one team that we had to split up stuff like that. So it's tough from that perspective, but it is remarkable what they're doing. And it's been interesting for me over the last couple of weeks watching uh, Tom Thibodeau and the Bulls kind of handle questions about the Heat because, you know, two weeks ago it was still a great streak, but it was at a more modest number, and people started asking about, uh, everybody knows how the Heat are playing, you know, knowing <laughs> this game was coming in two weeks. And then there's been this crescendo, and, you know, you can't believe the streak's still going on. And Tom was pretty tight-lipped about it, you know, leading up to it because he didn't want to say anything, giving his opponent too much credit. But now that it's here and it's a 27-game win streak, you, you can't help but acknowledge and respect that. It's just absolutely ridiculous what, what they've been able to do. I don't care how how weakened or watered down the Eastern Conference is. When you, when you win 27 straight times, that, that's, that's just remarkable. Yeah. Mm. Hey, Casey, so, with, you know, going forward now without Derrick Rose and, and uh, accepting if, if he doesn't play for the rest of the season, is, is this a Bulls team you think that can still get a round or two in in the playoffs? Well, the key is to me is Noah because this is really poor timing for him to have a recurrence of the plantar fasciitis that's that's been an issue throughout his career. If he's healthy, uh, I'll go back to the East. I mean, really, I I like Indiana, but I mean, is there name one team that the Bulls couldn't beat in a seven game series besides the Heat? I mean, if if Noah's healthy, I mean, I'm not saying they would beat the Knicks, the Nets, or the Pacers, but why why couldn't they? I mean, all those teams have issues and flaws, so. If Noah is healthy, nothing would surprise me. First-round exit, conference finals appearance, et cetera. But if Noah is not healthy, it'll be just like last year. I mean, obviously Rose went down in game one, number one seed against the eight seed of Sixers. Noah went down in game three, boom, season over. So if, if Noah's not there, uh, it's going to be hard-pressed for, for this Bulls team to make any noise in the playoffs. How much weight can Carlos Boozer – uh, take in terms of uh, you know responsibility and pressure. I know he's had you know three double doubles the last uh, few games here with Noah out, and he always seems to be a bigger player in, in the absence or in the option of being the number one guy in the post. Uh, but does, does his game have a cap when it comes to playoff basketball? I mean, he never seems to be a, a big man that can carry a team. Right, he's had a, had a couple big outbursts of his career, um, but. You know, when the Bulls went to the conference finals two years ago, Carlos really struggled, uh, particularly in that first-round series against the Pacers. Um, he did have one big game in the conference finals against the Heat and actually ended up averaging a double-double in that series, but he did disappear some games. I mean, you know, the thing about Carlos is that what the Bulls have done this year is they've run a lot of offense through him early. So he's had a lot of big first quarters. And then Tom Thibodeau often likes to close games with defensive-oriented lineups. And so then Taj Gibson has closed a lot of games this season. And really, basically, since Carlos has been here, that's been the pattern. So there is a limit in that regard because, obviously, we know he's not going to impact games at the defensive end. Right. Um, but, but offensively, particularly with Rose out, I mean, he's, he's, had a, he's had a very consistent year. I think he's fourth in the conference in double-doubles. I mean, he's always been a, you know, 16-10, 17-9 kind of guy. So he's still there. It's just he's never going to, you know, take over games and dominate games on a consistent basis like maybe he did in that, you know, when he was more of a featured guy in that Utah offense. Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Case, thanks for taking the time, man. We know you're busy. know you got to get that pregame nap and that uh, carb up before the game tonight. So 
<laughs> Something like that. Or I got to go check some medical charts on Derek's situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, thanks man. Talk to you, Case. Thanks, Casey. All right. That's, I'm telling you guys, you know, being Lang, you know it, Rick. You've been around the league. I'm telling you that. that there are guys who cover teams, and then there are guys who just are. Casey's been around so long in Chicago that, you know, I take his word for it a lot of times when I – I know what the team will say, and I know what they'll put out in a statement, but I'd rather hear Casey's interpretation of it. Right. Yeah. And and that's the first time I've talked to somebody who's had a concrete feeling about Rose that, I've, I, you know, I, th- I think we've all suspected that the, there was a chance he could get to this stage of the season, and if he's not playing by now, he's not going to play. But, man, yeah. I, I, it, it, it hit home now hearing Casey say it that, that, that this is going to be a story that, people in Chicago watch all through the summer in off season because they're going to want to know what Rose is doing. They're going to, they're going to want updates. They're going to want to know if is he working out, yeah. you know, at this gym or that gym and what does he look like? I mean, it, it takes this thing into a whole different realm if he doesn't come back this year. I definitely think his, his return has also been tied to the health of his team in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw Dango go down, you got Noah who I think he, he actually knows that if Noah goes down, their chances are pretty, yeah, pretty slim to go very far. So I think it's tied to that uh, as well. Hey, on another note, I just yeah. want to—I want to apologize. I'm a little off my game today because, Why is that? and I couldn't like—I couldn't bring myself together in that past interview with Casey. Man, I said my first question was, you know, tell me. I know you're surprised, but tell me is what is your feelings? <laughs> That's so dramatically like <laughs> destructive to to, to the followers. Man. I should have said. I should have said. Um, what are your feelings, or what is your feeling? <laughs> anyway, I just want you just to had a you just had a tenth grade English moment, huh? Just yeah, I let you guys went down. Back to- <laughs> it's like a ringing, ringing endorsement for the University of North Carolina. You're hilarious, man. This guy. Speaking of North Carolina, <laughs> tourney time. Oh, Whose bracket is blown up? I'm, mine's looking good. I That's told good. you guys about Gonzaga. I warned you. Sure no, did. you did. You did. Um, I wasn't sold on them necessarily either, but you're right. They, I, I told you about Michigan is what I told you about Lane, and that that Sweet <laughs> Sixteen mate uh, date with Kansas has got me nervous yeah. as I don't know what. I'm thinking about turning the TVs off on Friday morning. Well, my energies are all behind the Wolverines now. Thank you. I'm all behind you guys Thank after you. that Kansas. Things <laughs> in my life definitely got you. Got you guys uh, hoping to upset uh, the. Jayhawks. I gotta ask you, Rick, too, and this is this is completely off our normal path of discussion, but in line, you you tell me what you think. I've I've got such a problem with Roy Williams every year Ooh. when they lose, Ooh. with the crying and the bubbly eyes and the <laughs> talking about himself in the third person. Well, they didn't beat Roy Williams; yeah, they beat the mm-hmm. University of North Carolina. I'm just mm. it drives me nuts Look, when they Roy get put out every year. Roy recruited me. Uh, I played one year with him as an assistant coach at Carolina, and then I lost my last game right. against Roy uh, and when he was at Kansas in the Final Four. Um, I've, I've, you know, I, I root to the day I die for the heels, mm-hmm. and and it has to be hard to follow in Dean Smith's foots, his foot uh, steps. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's a there's a way that Coach Smith went about leading the Tar Heel Nation. Right. That I think Roy is still to get to, still yet to get to. I mean, maybe he's carved in, definitely carved out his own 
personality and, and his own path as, as the head coach of the Tar Heels. But it's hard for me, having played for Dean Smith, not to, you know, not to want to see <laughs> Roy as a disciple of Dean be more Dean-like. Yeah, yeah. How do you mean? What do you mean, Rick? Not breaking uh, out crying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I, it, there's. It's look, man. I. I, I, just, I I'll say this. I don't. I just don't. I, I don't watch college basketball enough to know yeah. what you mean by more Dean. Like I'm just. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. I'm just curious. Right, coach. It was always about the players. Yeah. The coach Smith. It was always about the the, the university. It was. It was never about him. Yeah. And and look, college basketball. In college basketball, and quite frankly, your coach needs to be a personality, and it, and you know that's what attracts and a lot of the recruits and recruiting goes as the university is having success and the coach that's leading those teams. You know how big that personality is. But Coach Smith had a big personality, but it was it just never seemed about him at any point. Yeah. At any point, and I loved that about him, and and that that's just my style and a coach. I think Roy's been a great coach. I just at times, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I it just clashes with what I remember Coach Smith being. Right. I went a couple of years, well, I guess it was more than a couple of years now, maybe 10 years ago, when Drew Gooden was at Kansas, um, we were going to do a story on him in Slam, and we kind of set it all up. And in between the setting it up time, he announced he was going to the NBA. So I ended up flying out to, to Kansas and spending a day with him on the campus, but he had already announced he was going pro like two days earlier. And so we spent a day just walking around the campus. He was great. Like we, we went to the, we just walked into the different buildings and the dorm and all this stuff. And then we walk into the, the basketball offices and uh, he just walks into Roy Williams office and Roy Williams is sitting there and, and he goes, Hey guys, have a seat. So we sit down and he kind of, even though he knew I was a, a journalist, he, he talked to Drew a lot about the decision and he was like, you know, so you, um, you know, they'd obviously talked about it beforehand, but he would say, how do you feel about it now? Are you, are you okay with it? Are you okay with the way things are going? Um, you know, is there anything I can do to help you? Um, mm. it, it was pretty, it was pretty neat just for me to be there and, and kind of see that happen. And Drew was like, you know, yes, sir. No, sir. Um, it was like a kid talking to his dad in a way. Are and, you talking uh, about Drew that left, uh, <laughs> uh, did transfer to UCLA? No, 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 no Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden. Oh, Gooden. Gooden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so he talked to Drew about it for, for 10 minutes and then he showed us around his office, which was incredible. Um, big office. It had a, uh, uh, a deck off the back of the office with a huge grill and he could go out there and make burgers and stuff. Like now now Bill Self is making burgers on that. Yep. It's, I assume (laughs) that's Bill Self's office now. Hey, wasn't Bill Self a few months back called his Kansas team the worst Kansas team ever? Yes. He was lighting them up. (laughs) Oh man. But you know, that's. Listen, I sounds I've, like it worked. Well, yes. I mean, and, and it raises a good point about the difference between college coaches and NBA coaches. Rick, you nailed it when you they have to be personalities in college because yeah. they're the they're the biggest salesmen a lot of times for their programs. And unlike when you play, Rick, now they have to be the salesmen for their programs because the players aren't sticking around three and four years anymore. Yeah. Um so yeah. I think that's changed the dynamic. The thing about Roy Williams that, that cracks me up though, and I go. I mean, he did this at Kansas. He would always get emotional, you know, whenever his team would get knocked out, and he, you know, he get nostalgic about the players, and you know, and, and you know, get the red nose and the watery eyes. Is I was walking down the street one time in Indianapolis, um, right when Jared Jeffries was leaving Indiana, 
you know, after they had made that Final Four run. Yeah. And uh-huh. I saw him and his family. They were walking down the street by the Westin Hotel in Indy. And so I'd, I'd known him, you know, since he was in high school up in, you know, in Bloomington. And, I, you know, we're talking. And so I was like, man, you know, I was like, what, so you going, you know, go go ahead and go to the pros, blah, blah. He's like, yeah. And he said something crazy to me that was kind of a throwaway line as we were talking, but I, and it resonated with me later. He said, yeah, man, he said, I can't take it anymore, playing for an, a coach who's more emotional than his players. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about Mike Davis. And he didn't say it throwing Mike Davis under the bus so much as he said it, you know, just kind of matter-of-factly. And I would imagine that there's a reason guys like Roy Williams are, are excellent college coaches and excel at that level but maybe wouldn't be as successful or as effective at the NBA level. Because you probably do need to remove a lot of that emotion and that, yeah. you know, sentimentality, if that's the right word. Um, you know, when, you, when you're dealing in the professional ranks compared to college. It's a little bit like the boy that cried wolf. <laughs> you know what? what? Quite honestly, man, like this is, this, you can't be – so emotional on a daily basis because then it doesn't carry any weight. There's no weight. Like, yeah. like Hubert Davis to me is Coach Smith-like. Now, mm-hmm. He's on that bench, and eventually someday maybe Roy passes the torch right. to an individual like Hubert Davis. When, when Coach Smith would get emotional, that had carried huge weight. Mm-hmm. It actually, he actually was able to motivate us by showing you know, that he was emotional about something. Mm-hmm. You know, and other than that, he was as calm and as confident and exuded that to us. So that, you know, so it's a little Phil Jackson-like, but you, you know, you really rise to the moment when your coach responds with emotion. Yeah. And you can't do that if you're doing it all day long, all the time, running up and down the sideline, screaming, rah! You know, like, <laughs> to me, it loses its weight. Yeah. And so I think this, that's what you're speaking to. I think you hit it right on the head for me. Yeah, I just wish there were. And sometimes a lot of those, a lot of that emotion is is look at me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that I, you know, my favorite coaches are the ones that sit on the sidelines. They are like that in practice. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. They are full of emotion. They're in your ass. They're screaming at you. They're you know they're coaching. They're teaching. And then they get out on the court during the game, and it's all about the players. And it's all about giving them the confidence that we've done the work behind the scenes. Now let's just go out and execute it. I don't, I don't think there's any, at least now, are there any college coaches like that? I mean, almost every college coach is out there in a nice suit stomping around and yelling and, you know, that that's that's what college basketball is now. Yeah, I'm sure there are some, but it's harder to be that kind of iconic coach probably in today's environment. You know, you don't get, you won't get two or three years of struggles anymore. You know, you won't yeah. get a down recruiting yeah. cycle to yeah. bounce back from. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast now in college hoops. And you know what? Talking about coaches like that leads me to something else that's really interesting. And uh, our good friends at NBAE uh, captured a lot of this in this behind-the-scenes profile they did on Eric Spolster, the coach of the Heat, who, in my mind's eye, embodies a lot of those traditional traits Rick is talking about that you love to see in coaches, guys who are, you know, it's not about them. It's about the process and the players. And, you know, you learn to get out of the way and let let things play out and, and, and be an orchestrator, but don't be up there, you know, shaking and rattling and going crazy about it. Um, and, I, and I think Spolster's probably underrated in that regard uh, with what's, what's going on with the Miami Heat and what he's done. Got his 250th win, um, you know, Monday night in Orlando. 
pretty pretty heady stuff for a young coach who's already got uh, two championship appearances under his belt, a ring as an assistant, a ring as a head coach. Um, you know, and, and like I said, those two appearances in the finals already. Very interesting stuff. Take a listen to this this package here from NBA, you guys, and we'll talk about it on the other side. It's been a, a special year. You know, it started with the culmination of our season last year with the championship. Opening night of the NBA. Championship win night. Last year we said all year long that it would be the toughest thing we'd ever have to do professionally together. And I think it's proven to be the same thing this year. We know what's ahead of us, and we love this time of year. Our players really respond. This has got to be a grind game, not a frustration game. we got to get our minds in on both ends. Miami will tie a franchise high with 14 consecutive victories. 105-91. It's 18 in a row, Heat fans. 20 wins in a row for Miami. It's all right here in the head. Right here in the head. Stay connected. It's been very competitive. A lot of teams have improved. Win number 24 in a row. Yes, you have to have heart for a comeback like this. How about LeBron James? Tony's got a triple-double. Every year he's reinventing himself. Um, He's the best player in the game. He never gets comfortable or complacent. The incredible greatness of LeBron James. We don't want to put a ceiling on him because he's breaking new barriers every year. So consistent. Night in, night out, he's putting up spectacular numbers. And we don't take it for granted. That's it! That's it! The second season's right around the corner. You have to get your game ready and make sure that you're peaking at the right time. And the Miami Heat's winning streak continues. The race to history is now at 27. I, I don't imagine that the other coaches and teams around the league really are, are drinking that Kool-Aid that supposed to spilling about, hey, you know, this team is still figuring it out. You won 20, 27 <laughs> straight games. I, I would assume the rest of the league assumes you figured it out by now. I'll tell you what they're trying to figure out, how to celebrate this year. <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they haven't figured out. How big, we, how big a parade we going to have? You know what I'm saying? See, we still figuring it out. Let's do it down Ocean Drive this time. <laughs> they figure it out. That's what they haven't figured out yet. i tell you, Lang, he does. I, I, I'm serious. Spolster deserves Coach of the Year consideration from people that is just not consideration. there. Consideration? No, I'm saying it's just not there, but I'm saying people that people yeah. that talk about this and they always throw Popovich and whoever else up in there and Thibodeau, I don't know how the dude is not getting talked up for Coach of the Year. I think, I mean, I thought I was – to me, I thought he was going to win. You don't think he'll win? I, I think he should, but I – I I can't tell you anybody who's who's beating that drum right now. You, let's start <laughs> yeah, other than us, <laughs> let's start because I agree, man. Other than us, I mean, but I agree. You win twenty seven, twenty eight straight games with a team that's a defending champ that's that's probably on its way to another championship. If you don't win Coach of the Year, then you ain't never winning it. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So to be the devil's advocate here, you know the argument's <laughs> going to be well. Well, you know, look, they won the championship last year. He's got three all-stars in that lineup. That, of course they should be winning. They should have won 40 straight games. I know. That's that's what they always say. But my argument is, has always been this. Too often, coach of the year is given to the guy who does the most surprising coaching job. Right. Like, they give it to the dude who, oh, his team wasn't supposed to be very good, and they ended up being good. So, therefore, he or must a guy have done who, the best coaching like, job. No. Yeah, well, a guy who does a, a good 
job with a little amount. Some, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. but I'm saying that's that falls under that same kind of realm of you know, well, peop, the expectations were low, right? Like I don't say I have the same feeling about the MVP as I do about the coach of the year. If you're the best, and maybe you got the best tools to work with and all that, but if you're the best, you should win it every year. You deserve it. And if that's six straight years or however many years in a row, so be it. I don't have a problem. You know, all that's democracy when it comes to handing out hardware in the NBA. You used to get, it gets on my nerves. Yeah. I have a different yeah. feeling about the MVP because to me the MVP is such an undefined award. You know what I mean? They're, they're, even when you get the ballot, and I know you get a you yeah. get a ballot too. When we get the ballot in the mail, it's the email. It says it doesn't even really say. It says vote for the most valuable player, and that's all it says. Like what right. is value? Who has that's value? No don't get me started on this. You say it's a regular season award, but I, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. It's a season award. Right. And the season to me ends when there's a champion. Yeah. So why why we don't do that, I don't know. Well, my but argument that, stands either way. Cause but does I, that mean you can only be an MVP if you're on a championship team? No. No, but if no. you if you win the championship six out of eight years, you you ought to be the MVP six out of eight years. Uh, it, I'm just speaking of Jordan. I, I just always <laughs> – it always bothered me that that he didn't – you know, come on, man. He was. Everybody knew he was the best player. His peers, Martians from out of space. I mean, anybody who saw it knew. Like, okay, Jordan's the best player. That's just, what's crazy to me. I just didn't think That's it was right to, you know, this this idea that you get fatigue from voting a dude. That you know, well, he won it last year. I'm gonna vote again. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I don't give time, it that. But it's his time to win. Yeah, it. his time. And if you know, no, you don't, you don't no, have give it to the best like, dude. Like, Say Halloween where you hand out sugar can- candy at the door or something. <laughs> <laughs> you give it to the best cat, and we'll argue about this again later when I when we go off on this, because I've I've often had this Steve Nash MVP debate with some other guys here, yeah. uh, who write at NBA dot com, and they get all over me for for complaining about Nash winning those back to back MVPs. But you go back and check my ballots. Steve Nash didn't finish first on my ballots those years. I thought that was those were. And now who's on the wrong side of history? Uh, obviously, the people who <laughs> voted for Steve Nash. I don't know. I mean, you're the one who voted against him, and he won too. Yeah. <laughs> the contrarian always wins the battle at the end, Lang. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, you must live in a lonely place sometimes. I do. Seeker. I do. <laughs> but don't get me started, because then we'll get into another. We'll, right. Rick will get five or six more FCC complaints and fined by oh, Stu Jackson. Man. Speaking of MVPs. Hey, can Steve Jackson, can he, can he find me? Oh, yeah, Stu can find us. Stu can find us? No, he, he ain't going to take your money. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Speaking of MVPs, though, let's go ahead and go to bragging rights. Now, I can't believe this, since I'm not going to win that trophy, the way things are going. I need a humongous comeback if I'm going to win the bragging rights trophy this year. Why, why do you say that? <laughs> it's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. I got no rep. My rep is toast. <laughs> Look at this. I'm, I'm in second, a distant second now to Rick Fox, who's 38 and 23 on the season. Lang, at, at least you can almost shave again. You and Dirk, you, you and Dirk Nowitzki look, looking like uh, twin cavemen. Um, How many years? Uh, like Brent Barry said, he's he looks like Dirk Dynasty, like one of the <laughs> Dirk Dynasty guys. So. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the I'm gonna be in the Dirk Dynasty. Thirty uh, and thirty one on the season for Lang Whitaker. Um, thirty five and twenty six for myself. Rick thirty eight and twenty three. A sparkling comeback for you, my friend. Congratulations. Can I get that in a winning percentage? Can I get that broken down in a winning? <laughs> Listen to this guy. He's just no. 
Greg, seriously, give us give me some games I can work with this week. First game of the week will be Miami at San Antonio. Seku will go first. <sighs> this this sucks because I would like to know whether or not the streak has already been snapped before I make this pick. You're getting fired. Too bad. It sucks. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going with the Spurs on their home floor. Whether the, whether the streak's still going or not, I'm going with the Spurs. I think this it's Pop's last stand at the Alamo, baby. They're not they're not going down in that one. All right, Rick. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, I'm not even going to hesitate on this one. I think the streak ends with with San Antonio Spurs in a wave <laughs> of, of 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 energy coming at them, and, and they're going to be so hyped about that game, man. Wow. All right, come on, Lane. You got to go opposite on this. I'm going to say that Pop is going to rest Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Ginobili that night, and uh, and the Miami, Miami Heat will continue their streak. Wow, paging Stu Jackson. I think the Heat are going to – I think they're going to break the record. You think so? Yes. I really think so. I do. I think so. They care. They want to do it. They're having fun with it. You see them – like they're doing these video bombs after the games, <laughs> yeah, joking around. Like they, they're not nervous at all. That is my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> the video bomb. Oh, that's my biggest pet peeve. That one LeBron did the other day when he like made that crazy looking smile. Man, he, that looked like a horror movie face. I was like, what the? He jumped in front of the camera. I was like, whoa. It just, it just, takes, a, it just takes everything to a YouTube level. Yeah. Sorry for having fun, Rick. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, to me, it's like I want to hear from the guy who just actually had a great game. And yeah. I want the person that's interviewing him. Grandpa Fox. He's, job. Grandpa Fox, get off my lawn. <laughs> you kids, keep it down back there. <laughs> Stay off my grass. <laughs> this feels like, you know, oh, it's all about kids. Be home by midnight. <laughs> he went Clint Eastwood. Rick's going next week. Rick's just going to come in and talk to two empty chairs and go off on them for two hours. <laughs> Pull up in his Grand Torino. I must. I will say this: having been in attendance for some of the games during this streak, boy, that that the difference between the East and the West. The you know the 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 sub the sub five hundred teams out east versus the sub five hundred teams out west man it's two different levels of basketball. I, the Heat have been been blessed with a very generous portion of the schedule, yeah, yeah. and you know and I'm not taking away from what they've done at all. Yeah, but boy, are. if they had to do this, if they <laughs> yeah, had to do this out west, it would have been a much tougher road. Do what out west? They couldn't have done that out west. Yeah, you are, it, you are taking away a little bit from what they've done. No, I'm I'm not taking away yes, from the yeah, accomplishment. I'm just saying, let's let's be clear headed about what's going on here. They're they're getting a chance to beat up on the Charlottes, and the you know Orlando's and the Detroits and some of the other, you know, teams, I call them I call them the East Eastern Conference Lottery Mafia. Um, and they, and they've been giving them a run for their money in the first half. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just saying we'll we'll see. Whether the whether the the streak is still going by Sunday or not, we're gonna see where the where the Heat stack up when they play the Spurs. So I think Pop's gonna come at them with enough to to try and win that game. Indiana versus the Clippers in L.A. In L.A., I'm going with the Clippers. Yeah, me too. Let's just go ahead and get out the way. Let's go. Let's get Clippers. <laughs> Boy, I don't like the way the Clippers are playing right now. Although I I have a I have another rant, but I don't want to set Rick off. Okay, I thought I, some I, of that officiating at the end of that Clippers Mavericks game was. Whew. Which call? Paging Stu Jackson. Um, I just thought there was a lot of flopping. No calls, calls that should have been made 
flopping by Dirk on that one shot that Blake made that should have won the game, even though it was crazy looking. Um, mm-hmm. But that, you know, that's another. Don't get me started. I I am going with the Clippers. All right, all right. Last one will be this then. Uh, since I am just now looking at the list, we'll that's go great. Memphis at New York. They're playing tonight. We're doing four games this week. All right. No, we dropped this. No, we dropped, we dropped the. One? We dropped the Knicks. Man, we dropped the. Celtics. Yeah, we dropped the Knicks. Up. Memphis versus who? New York tonight. New York. Uh, tonight. I'm going, you know what? Some, somebody else pick first. In where? I haven't it's in New York. It. It's here. It's in New York. You going to the game line? Um, no. No? I'm going to take – what the heck? I'll take New York. Yeah, I'll take New York too. Me too because I, I don't like the Grizzlies right now without uh, Marcus yeah. Saul and his – You just don't want to fall for Take my shoe off and slap the ball away from somebody. You see that on Shaq to the Fool? Yes. That was classic. The Knicks have won five in a row. The Knicks yeah. are balling. They, yeah. they need, they, you know, I'm telling you, man, Carmelo Anthony at the power forward position with with a bunch of guys who – A bunch of guards. Puts, yeah, with a bunch – man, something about – now, granted, I was mad he shot 30 times and went 10 for 30 <laughs> last night. That's what he uh, do. But that's what he do. Yeah. And like I said, but I'm telling you, man, for some reason, man, I don't know if it harkens back to his Syracuse days when he was just a man and everyone else around him just served him. But they win. Yeah. It I works for him. Works, but it works. It works for him, and you know who else it works for? It's Woody. But it works for the Knicks. Because, yeah. you know, that allows Woody to play through his best player. It, you yeah. Know, ride you or go. die, he's going to play through his best guy. Some man, how, know. though, man, they win. Yeah. They won five. I mean, look, man, they, they started off like this. You couldn't explain it. You go, okay, it's a bunch of older guys circling around. Carmelo, who's playing the four again. And da, da, da. Yep. Man, I'm telling you, it works, man. Eight weeks. All right, Greg, is that it? You don't have another game you want to throw in there just well, to confuse to, us? To be fair, these they're they're five they've won five in a row. They're beating Utah, Orlando, Toronto twice. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. And Boston without KG. You're not trying to take anything away from them, though, right? Oh no, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally trying to. A little bit. Uh, we gotta stop this. We're too much clowning around here on the Hang Time Podcast. Fellas. Let's let's uh, reconvene here next week. See if we can't rant a little bit, argue a little bit, debate a little bit. Uh, big shouts to Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast this week. Great information about Derrick Rose and uh, what's going on with the Bulls and kind of where they're going to go from from this point forward with with, with the whole Rose saga. Um, tune tune in now. You got to keep your eyes on this heat. This heat streak. Now, you better make sure you keep watching to see where it goes. And we will see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast. You kids, get off my lawn. (laughs) It's just in. Kanye West, I am God. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say kuna matata.